Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today we are starting a new series titled, The Longest Road, Grieving the Loss of a Child. We understand this series may not be easy to listen to, so if child loss is too much for you to deal with right now, please take a four-week break from Little Things and listen to one of the other podcasts from Time of Grace. Time of Grace doesn't shy away from tough subjects because we know some of you are on this painful journey. With that, I'm going to introduce you to Mary Jo Trotter. Whether you choose to listen or know you can't, please take care and know God sees you and loves you. Little Things listeners, I have a special guest for us today. Her name is MJ Trotter. I want to introduce you to her. She grew up in a small farming community in North Central Wisconsin as the third daughter of a clan of six girls. And no one can be surprised at all. No one was surprised when she ended up with five girls of her own. After graduating from the Kadat school systems, MJ studied and received degrees in accounting and finance from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. After graduation, she moved to Milwaukee to pursue her professional ambitions. She currently oversees operations, risk, and regulatory management at Baird, specializing in the custody and regulatory reporting of client assets. I just want everybody to know that I have no idea what that means. So if you're hearing this and you're like me, that sounds very important. And I have no idea what that is, but I'm pretty sure it's it's a big deal. Did you want to explain at all what you do? Because I have no I, idea. Um, absolutely. And interestingly enough, we just went through an engagement exercise at work where we had the team connect what they did every single day to Baird and who Baird is and what they do. And so Baird is a full service broker dealer, uh, financial services firm located here in Milwaukee. And we have business units in private wealth management, uh, institutional sales and trading, And primarily what our role is, what my role is, and that my team's role is to custody clients' assets. So you as an individual investor, you give your money to Baird and we make sure that it's safe. We apply all the rules and regulations around custodying of assets. We have audits. um, We're we're visited by our regulatory bodies and prove that we're doing exactly what we should be doing. And that's what I do pretty much all day long. Talking to you is much like talking to my son, who's a mechanic because he does the same thing to me. He's like, well, mom, that's very easy. It's just the, this and that. And then when this affects that, it goes into that. And that's what I'm saying right now, this and that, that's exactly how much of it I understand. So I always tell him, I know you're a genius, but you're speaking a foreign language. Cause I don't understand a word you're saying, but I trust you do. Per- periodically Matt will say, how was your day today? And I, I, I tell him, I try to tell him in terms that he will understand. And then still he'll turn and say, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, but I, but I trust it all ended well. So <laughs> I feel much better now. Yeah. <laughs> MJ lives in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin with her husband of 21 years, Matt. And for those of you who don't know, Matt Trotter is the president and CEO of time of grace and her four beautiful children, Hannah, Emma, Claudia, and Liza, and is preceded in heaven by her daughter, Clara. Matt and MJ enjoy every minute mentoring the girls to adulthood. They coach several sports with the girls with volleyball and basketball leading the list. 
When not working, traveling for club volleyball, or chauffeuring the girls, MJ enjoys a great cup of coffee and a good book, cooking and dreaming about what a clean house looks like. There's very little she would change about her life. It's busy and chaotic and an adventure every day. Even as I read that, MJ, I'm just thinking you and I need to be best friends. <laughs> you, you are my type of woman between the coffee, the good book, and struggling with a house. I am all in. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. We want to talk about Clara today. Um, tell us about Clara. You know, that's such a big question to answer mm -hmm. because we only had 23 months to bring that out in her. And, you know, she was barely walking and talking before she left us. But I, I think what we saw in her is she was this quiet behind the scenes, perfect middle child always sort of a joker. Um, Matt, she was our only girl to that point who was the true daddy's girl. So she'd wake up in the middle of the night and call daddy. And I'd be like, Hey, this one's yours. This one's yours. And, um, she, she was a little bit of the family mascot at that point, uh, about a month before she left us, uh, Matt and the girls had a trip planned to drive to Houston to visit uh, his mom, girl's grandparents. And uh, it, at the last minute, literally like the day before, Matt says, I think we need to take Clara. She's our, she's our mascot. What would we do without her? And, and I think that she truly did make the trip all that more memorable, not just in hindsight, but in the moment, just bringing that, that almost two-year-old joy to everything that they did. And, and so kudos to Matt, what three daughters on a road trip. And that's not a small road trip, right? That's a, it's a pretty long road trip, about 20 hours. So a lot of, lot of, lot of pictures of the back seat eating ice cream and their, their favorite stop going to Jimmy John's and getting day old bread and literally just eating a loaf of bread in the back seat of the car. So it was a, it was an adventure that we shared uh, via Facebook at that time, him taking pictures and, and me hanging home with a, with an infant. Yeah. And as you said, looking back in hindsight, what a beautiful group. What a beautiful memory for Matt and the girls that you didn't realize would be so important because tell us what happened then shortly after that trip. Shortly after that trip, about a month, month after that trip, um, you, you, the story just kind of scares people, but you just have to understand that this was just a special circumstance and why it happened. We will never know. She just got a cold cold just didn't get better. We took her to the doctor one morning just because, Hey, this thing just isn't getting any better. The doctor says, Hey, it's just a virus. She just needs to get over it. Call us if it gets any worse. And so she was home with Matt. I, I, I remember physically picking her up and sitting around the counter that day and said, you're going to stay home with dad today. Cause all the girls went to daycare. We were, uh, but, but I'll, I'll be back after work. And, and I hope that you feel better. Just, just hang out with dad today. And she's just kind of like, okay, you don't know if she understands you or not, but it's an adult that makes you feel better. And then um, later that day, she had a seizure. She uh, ended up in the hospital and then she ultimately passed away from uh, bacterial pneumonia is what we found out later. But as we were going through it, really, really didn't understand or know the doctors didn't know what was causing um, her, her. She, she had um, ultimately had septic shock with the virus entered her bloodstream, the bacteria entered her bloodstream, attacked all her internal organs and uh, Eventually that's what uh, led to her death. So like literally in the matter, in a period of one day, 
She's in the hospital. Yeah. She's on life support, fighting for her life. Yeah. Talk about going from some of the best memories in your life, you know, Matt and the girls going to Houston to experiencing a tragedy that it's hard to wake up from. So walk us through the days right after Clara's death. What were some of the things that were just impossibly hard for you to even deal with? It's it's ironic. Um, You, the theme in a lot of this is little things. It's all the little things. There's her bed. Yeah. There's her little shoes. There are her clothes. And, and you, you have these feelings. You're like, Oh, I can't look at this, but you don't want it to go away. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. So it's, it's all those little tiny things that honestly, you just don't know how to deal with, but you figure it out. And also, I mean, in, in the hours after death too, I mean, there have to be hundreds of phone calls, right? You tell the story a hundred times, just notifying people, right? You're going through this and, and in, in your situation where it happened so fast, you have to be in shock yourself. Oh, you know, I, I, I've said this about a number of times, unfortunately we've, we've dealt with um, passing parents and, and whatnot. We were so fortunate to have just enough time to get our own inner peace with this. And, and I, th- I think of tragic situations where people are just taken in car accidents where it's like, boom, all of a sudden yeah. we, we had a number of days to kind of process everything that was going on. And it, when the time was right, when the time came, we knew, Hey, this is, this is it. And, and, and we were just sort of at peace with, with all the decisions that we had made to that point. And then ultimately taking her off of life support because she wasn't with us when anymore. And we knew that. Yeah. And so, and so just enough time to sort of get our inner peace to reflect on everything and to know, Hey, th- this is all happening for reasons that we don't understand. Well, maybe we'll never understand. And, and there it is. Right. So what has changed with time? What things are difficult now that weren't as difficult at first, at first it was just seeing her things, but what has become more difficult with time? Probably the most difficult part of, I'm going to say our everyday life is, I I like to call it the gap, the hole. So we all have this hole. We always have this hole in our life, this this gap, but I've got four kids and there's a huge gap in the middle. So in, in school, Hannah, then two years, Emma, then a gap then Claudia, then two years lies. There's that gap. And, and people kind of recognize that when, when you say it, Oh, you know, your kids, how old are they? Oh, yeah. What what happened in the middle? You know, things like that. There's that gap. And that's, that's everywhere. You see it everywhere. It doesn't matter if the kids are lined up, you've got the tallest or the shortest, there's that gap. And that's, that's probably the, the, part that's hardest to sort of reconcile every single day. Mm-hmm. Just knowing there's our hole. What scripture have you been clinging to? What scripture spoke to you at the time, um, got you through or has spoken to you since? Probably for me, Psalm 46, 10, just mm-hmm. 
be still and know. Be still and know that it's not his will. It's not yours. He's got a larger plan. We don't get to know it all the time, but somebody else is in control. There's a reason for all this. And you may never know. Maybe we should, we're not supposed to know. Sometimes we can't handle all that truth, but there, there's somebody bigger in charge of all of this. And there's reason behind it. That's beautiful. What do you wish that people would understand about experiencing the death of a child? You know, it, it, it's such a hard question to answer because everybody's story is very different. Everybody's situation is different. Nobody's going to handle the same thing. But people, people always say, I, I can't imagine. You, you, you shouldn't try to imagine. Don't even try to imagine it. It's just, you can't, you can't. And, and, and if don't ask stupid questions, like People what? Say there's no stupid explain, questions. Explain, yeah, explain that to me because I'm, I, I don't want to be asking a stupid question. So what would a stupid question be? If I, 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 it's, it's probably not as much of a stupid question, but you just, they just say stupid things like, um, think of things like, I can't, I can't believe you just said that to me. And, and Matt will too. You just look at people and say, I just can't believe you just asked me that. But, but I think the most important thing is only ask the questions you really want to hear the answers to. And, and then don't offer advice. Don't just, just sit and listen, just sit and listen. If you ask, to ask a question, just listen. What are the things that we shouldn't say? And one thing I think that Matt told me when I was talking to him is kind of a pet peeve was when people try to compare grief, like, oh yeah, I lost my dog or, you know, like something like that. And I think that that might be one of those things where you would look at each other. Like, are you even, are you even saying this? So can you think of any of those things that might just be like, when we talk about what not to say, yeah. (laughs) When you have somebody who just lost their child, it's not the same as losing your parent, right? It's not the same as losing your pet. It's not to say that there isn't grief there, but it's not the same. It's, it's definitely not the same. And having lost parent, but my, my dad, Matt's dad, a sister, it's so different. It's so very different. Each one has its own type of grief. There's how many words for love in the Bible. There should be just as many words for grief because it is so different um, and, and, and I, I do agree that's Matt's pet peeve on the pets. People will try to compare their pet or, uh, say, oh, they're in heaven playing with my dog, Ralphie, like what? And so you're, you're absolutely correct. And those are the, the things that just don't say, and, and it kind of goes back to don't try to imagine this. People are, people are trying to internalize it. They're, they're trying to figure out what this grief looks like for them. What if it was them? And, and you shouldn't ever fault people for that because everybody has to deal with all of their difficulties in life in a different way, the way that works for them. Um, but, but this, there's really no comparison for this. 
And, and so don't try to imagine it because you're, you can't, you, you just simply can't, and you don't want to. Yeah. So if I was in the middle of a conversation with you and something absurdly stupid came out of my mouth, because my producer knows that I'm very prone to saying something absurdly stupid. That's why I love working with a producer who can edit things out for me. Um, so if something stupid, like, oh yeah, my pet, and then I realize that it's stupid and I say, you know what, that is embarrassingly stupid of me to say, um, fair, is that fair? That as we're trying to communicate with you, if we even sense ourselves or just the look in your eye and we go, you know what, this is really stupid. And I, I need to even stop imagining your grief. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I probably would say just what we just talked about. I would probably say something to the effect of, Hey, we all are going to process this differently. And, and I, I, thanks for acknowledging that we all process this differently. You don't want to, I'd say that to many people, you don't want to even try to imagine this. Right. When people say, I can't imagine what you're going through. I say, you don't want to don't try. Don't yeah. try. Do you have a lot of people that you said, don't ask or offer advice. Do you have a lot of people that think that they can fix you? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the thing that it, it will never leave me is when, when we left the hospital, we would get emails, we would get phone calls, we would get letters saying, Hey, here's support for your kids and enter your kids into therapy. And our, our, the way children handle death, and I'm going to say definitely children brought up in the Christian faith is it's, it's just black and white. Yep. They're no longer here, but they're in heaven. Why, why, why are we all so sad about this? You know, the, the day of Claire's funeral, the girls are running around with their cousins, they're playing and my, my sisters and brother-in-law are like, Hey, calm down. Don't be so loud. We're like, it's fine. Don't, don't make them be sad. If they're not sad, don't, yeah. don't force them to think something's wrong when some something tragic just happened, but it's not wrong. There's no right away, wrong way really to act. If you're not sad, don't be sad. And I, I didn't want, I didn't want people making them feel like they should be feeling sad or they have grief that they can't handle. They, they were doing just fine. And I, I, and so I don't, I, I didn't want them to feel like they should feel that. Yeah. Especially as kids don't, don't take this very tragic thing that happened and just be so sad about it. Your, your sister's in heaven. And, and it really changes the way that you, I mean, all, all of our parents said this to us, right? There's cars coming. What, what do you do? And get on the sidewalk. You're going to get hit by a car and you're going to die. And, and I remember at one point, one of my girls shrugged her shoulders and said, so then I'd just be playing with Clara. Like what? <laughs> okay. I guess we get to change the way we talk about things like that. And it's refreshing, honestly, the way that kids are so black and white about it. It's very refreshing. Yeah, that is neat. Other than Clara's birthday and the day that she went to heaven, what other days hit you? I don't know that there's particular days that really hit us. Um, probably we kind of talked about that gap a little bit, a family picture. Things like that, where it's, hey, we should all be here, but we're not. Mm -hmm. Somebody graduates. Oh, there's that hole again. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Even do you ever find yourself looking ahead? Like, 
next year she would have been confirmed four years from now. Do you ever find yourself doing that? And do you let yourself do that? Uh, probably not looking ahead so much, but probably in the moment yeah. more so, oh, this would have been, yeah, she would have been 13. She would have been doing this. Yeah. And maybe, maybe not so much in the future, but kind of in the moment. Yeah. That makes sense. What has brought you comfort in the grief? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I know we're always supposed to try and find the silver lining and everything. And this is such a hard situation to say this brought my comfort it, but probably just knowing that we had friends that reached out to us, maybe friends who had fallen from faith, friends who were atheist and just being amazed that, that this was happening through us. How are we getting through this? And it either introduced God to them again or, or period. I very good friend of mine just one day said, Hey, there's gotta be something bigger out there. This can't be it. Your, your little girl just can't be gone. There's gotta be something bigger out there. And so opening that door just a little bit for them to explore that faith again, it brings us comfort that, Hey, maybe this wasn't all for nothing. Yeah. Maybe there's good coming out of this. I was oh, just so taken off guard by the way that you guys did the funeral. Can you, I mean, she died right around Easter, didn't she? She did. Can you, she did. Can you tell us about what you asked everybody to wear to the funeral and why? Well, Clara's favorite color was pink. And, and so we told everybody no black, you have to wear bright colors. If it's not, if you don't have a pink shirt, you have to wear something that's, that's bright and Easter colored because this, this is not an old person's stodgy funeral that we, this is not the way we're going to celebrate her life. And, and people did. It was, it was fantastic. It was sprays of Easter flowers everywhere. And, and, and again, it's, it's the little things that make it, it obviously a tragic situation, but just that much better, just that much better. And it was such a testimony. I mean, that was your testimony that, you know, we were black and we mourn and there was certainly mourning going on. Oh man, such mourning that's still going on. But the fact that you can say, there's something more. We're celebrating something more. There's life here. And um, I just can't imagine how that must have impacted the people who were there. It, it's, it, it was really amazing to watch people from work, friends that we hadn't seen for years, just come and, 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 and it, it hit so many people so hard. People, even years later, will come up and, and, and say, Hey, how you guys doing? I just, I just can't even believe it for them. It's hard for them. They're struggling. Yeah. And, and I remember one person from my work came in, never came up to the front, never, mm-hmm. never came up and shook our hands, it, but, but stayed through the entire funeral, sat in the back, just dealing with it, just internalizing it for himself. Hey, what if this were me? Then you could just, and then later seeing him at work, all he could say was, wow. And that, that's literally all he said is, wow, I, I just yeah. can't even believe this. And so it, it impacts people. You think about it and they say, I, I just don't know how you're getting through all this. And then, and, and then, and then it kind of opens it up a little bit and you can share the stories and, and Hey, this isn't the end. This, this is, if anything else, this is the beginning of her story. So. 
You just said something that I think is really important to point out. A lot of people struggle because they don't know what to say and they're afraid of saying something stupid and your coworker showed up and he didn't say anything and you noticed. When people are asking, what can I do? Sometimes it's just a matter of showing up. You don't even have to say anything. Yeah, that's, that's very true. We'll, we'll have friends today. Texting is the thing, right? So, Hey, how are you doing today? Don't know why I'm reaching out, but, but I am something just told me, give you a call. Right. No, that's really neat. And that's something for all of us to keep in mind. Have you found some people are hesitant to bring Clara up? And what would you say to them if that's the case? People, people don't have to be hesitant to bring Clara up. And I think that if they know us, they, they just know that Um, the girls still talk about her. We have a, a big painted family portrait hanging in our, in our living room and people that come over for the first time and see it and let's say, Oh, wow, that's really cool. It's painted. And, and then Liza will, I think this is a little bit of rubber rub of hers. She'll say, well, I'm not in it. And then look at it, but there's four kids and one's a baby. What do you mean? You're not in it. Well, then they tell the story and you, you, you can see them. Oh, wow. It's like, Whoa, wasn't expecting that one. And but, it, but it's never talking about it with this overwhelming grief. It's always just, hey, it's part of our story. It's, it's, it doesn't define exactly who we are. It's not our defining moment, but it's part of our story. And people react based on how you react. Yeah. And then, then they, they, they know, hey, it's okay. Tell me about her story. Tell me about her. And they'll ask questions. Um, and, and then people who... I, I would say, I, I, as I've gone through this, definitely people without faith who can't reconcile, oh, this is the beginning of her story. This isn't the end. Those are the people who don't want to talk about it. Really? And because I, I think because they just can't fathom it to, to mm-hmm. have that big of a quote unquote loss. Yeah. They, they, they just can't fathom it. They can't reconcile that in their own lives. And, and then I, we have talked about it. How, how would those people carry on? How would they get through this? And, and I just don't know. That's what I can't fathom. How, how you would get through it without that, that strong foundation of faith. Yeah. So what has been your solace who, and what has been your solace in all this? Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely my husband, Yeah, my rock through all of this, but then it really, it's, it's the kids. They don't, we woke up the next day and we still had three kids at home. Yeah. They needed to be cared for. And you, you, it forces you out of bed. It forces you to say, Hey, life goes on. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. Life goes on. So you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to make them breakfast. You're and and you just every single day, you figure out how to do that. And, and so really, truly it, it's our kids who got us out of bed every single day. Yeah. You know, you said that Matt was your rock, your husband, um, and it just went through my mind how hard it would be to have a husband who wasn't your rock, you know, who couldn't get out of bed, who, who couldn't cope, who couldn't, how did you guys stay on the same page through the grief? That's a fantastic question. And I wish I had the magic answer to that. Um, 
I would say there's so many things where everybody's got the thing in your, your marriage where you're, you're don't quite see eye to eye. We always saw, saw eye to eye when it came yeah. to literally everything, everything. Um, and, and how did we do that? I don't know. That That's definitely a gift from God right there. If ever there was, we never had a fight about any of it. There was always maybe a discussion, like, what do you think about? But it was never, never any point of any kind of anguish mm, because he was that, there. We, we were both kind of on the same page all the time. Yeah, that is a huge gift. So do you have any advice, Mary Jo, for those who are not on the same page and they're already dealing with their grief, but now they have this um, struggle between them and their husband. And as you said, you already said that everybody has such a different story and deals with grief differently. What would you tell specifically the mother right now? If, if her husband isn't dealing with this in a way that, you know, comes alongside her, what can she do? I think probably the only thing that I would know to tell people to do to advice to give them is, is reach out for help. If there's his mom, his dad, if it's professional counseling, you have to try to reconcile that because once that, once you let that divide you and fester, it's really hard to bring that back together again. And this is such a big event. This is bigger than your finances. This is bigger than what house we're going to live in. This, this is, this is at the core of the being of who you are. And so I, I can, I can definitely see how this would break couples apart. I can definitely see how this would drive a wedge, but you have to keep talking about it. You have to reach out and get help and, and, and try to reconcile that and try to get as close as you can to being on the same page. And if it's not the same page, at least understanding where the other one's coming from. I think that professional counseling could be such a help for that because some people do grieve so differently. One person wants to talk about it and another person may not be able to talk about it. I'm thinking about your coworker who showed up at the funeral, but couldn't say a word. And when he did, all he could say is, wow. And I'm a talker, but if I'm married to someone who can't talk through it, you might need to get that professional counseling to understand how to deal with this together so as not to put each other down just because he's coping with it internally. And I need external help. Doesn't mean he's wrong and I'm right. It just means we have a different way of dealing with our grief. I hope, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not much of that touchy feely person, but, but a, a lot of these, um, I, I'm going to call them sort of personality traits studies the, the strengths finders, it really helps you kind of understand at the core, what, what's sort of driving some actions and some yeah. thoughts from right. people and professionals can help you sort through that. They can help you sort through that. I know you said this, but I really feel like it was coming from a space here. Let, let's talk about that. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you did any grief support groups or how you found a way to bond with other parents who um, could help you during this time of grief. We didn't reach out professionally, but I will say we talked to all of our friends and, and uh, the more that you talk to people, there are these, I'm going to say hidden stories 
um, yeah. that, that you just, you don't bring up un, unless there's a, there's a chance to, to tell it. And, and people want to share that story, but, but it's so hard because of all the reactions that you get from people. And so when you share a similar story, people have lost children and just, you think our story is tragic. There's way more tragic stories out there. And the, the minute that you know that you have that commonality, you bond. And every time you tell the story, it just strengthens that all of your beliefs around everything that you're, that, that it happened and it helps you get through it the next time. And, and it's easier to tell the next time we get, we got the majority of our counseling is, is just sharing that story and hearing other people's stories and getting strength from that. Mm-hmm. MJ, was there ever a time that you were angry with God? either just immediately after Clara went to heaven or in the days since, and how do you deal with the anger if you were angry? Is, is I reflect on that time through to now, I, I can honestly say, I don't think I ever was angry with God or angry about the situation. And, and I, I really do attribute that to the way everything transpired. We had just enough time to get comfort with it. And I, I, those days being in the hospital, it it seemed like it was forever when it was happening. It it seemed like we, we we did, we lived there for a a period of those days. Um, but, but now it it just seemed like it was all ran into one and it was just a snap of your fingers. It was so fast, but, but, but every time something big happened, so an event would happen, she, she was put on life support. Okay. Now she's okay. She's stable. And, and you, you just pray and you know that you've done this. You pray, please, God, not yes. now. Don't take yeah. her from me. Not now. Mm-hmm. And so every time I prayed that he didn't, he didn't. And, and then when the time came, it was just this natural peace. Okay. This is it. This is the time we're good with this. And and so I, I, I said, there's just enough time. God gave me just enough time. And so we were all at peace. When the decision, the true decision had to be made to take her off of life support, we knew there was no question. It, it, I, I can't tell you what a blessing those days in the hospital were mm-hmm. as, as you think about it, as you process it and, and living through that, when the time came, when the decisions needed to be made, it, there, there was no decision. It's like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And in the end, uh, and, and you, you even you even try to apply those to different situations. I have a sister who thankfully lived through it, and, and she's absolutely one hundred percent on life support. Um, she she had West Nile disease, and so they're talking about pulling her off of life support. And 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 I'm like, guys, it's not time. It's not time. And and thankfully it wasn't. And thankfully everybody came to that decision that it wasn't time because she fully recovered. So it's, it's when, when, you know, you just know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a, a, a blessing from God that you never have to second guess that. And you never have to think, could I have done something else? Whatever. That is such a blessing that brings so much peace from God. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that I sense even from talking to you though, is that I think it sounds as if you guys were 
you know, taking it all in and, and enjoying parenthood before, but now you're even more intentional about this family time. And is that, is that true? Or has there been a shift that you're more intentional or were you always intentional? Not much has changed as far as that's concerned. I probably say we, it definitely, this definitely strengthened our family unit. Um, we probably did a lot of things without thinking why we were doing them yeah. before this, that now we're, now we're very much more intentional about it. Um, and, and it gets harder. Your family unit gets harder as your kids get older. There's such a span. I've got a, a nine-year-old and a 17-year-old. And in even, even with our extended families, we always said, oh, we're not going to miss weddings and confirmations and things like that for sporting events. Now it's, ooh, now, now it's always a decision. And, and we, we make sure that the girls understand what a decision this is. We, we, we put it in their hands a little bit. They need to be able to rationalize and make decisions. And, Hey, do, do you really want to miss this? Is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And I, I would say not, not just the act of going to, but, but making everybody understand, Hey, this is why we're doing this. This is why it's important. And, and so our, our, our family unit is, is larger than a lot. Um, and it's hard to always get everybody there for everything, but man, we really try to, and we really, we really try to make it an event, make people understand why this is, we're doing this. I can't help, but think too, how important it is for us, especially as Christian parents to just be so intentional about why, why we care about learning about Jesus why we make this a priority for us, why as a family, we're going to live this way because we never know from day to day, like you said, within the span of a couple of days, everything was different and it could be a car accident. It could be anything. When our, our children leave the door in the morning, none of us know what the day will bring. And so there has to be some importance there. It has to be a priority to teach them about this, which is a really hard thing to teach children about death and that things can change in an instant, but not just if they were to die, but if we were to suddenly not be back someday. That's, that's, that's very true. And I I know a lot of times the, the, the grief that we have is earthly and I, I do period. We all periodically think about this. What would happen if I wasn't here yeah. tomorrow? How would my kids get through this? How would Matt get through this? And you, you know that they would find a way, but you just hope they have the, the strength and the faith to do it. And I know that they would, I know that they would. Yeah. I became a lot more intentional in 2020. My husband worked with COVID patients right off the bat he, his unit was chosen as a COVID unit. And of course, back in 2020, you know, in March early on, we thought everybody who, you know, came in contact with COVID was going to die. And so I started saying things like, guys, the reason I really want you to make reading your Bible a habit is because I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow to tell you to do this. I'm not going to be leaning over your shoulder all the time and saying, Hey, make sure you read your Bible before you go to bed. So I just need you to make this a habit or in, in so many things. Now my children are older, they're young adults and they will be leaving. And so now I am so much more intentional about saying the things that need to be said. 
in terms of like, I might not be here to tell you tomorrow this. So I really want you to know my heart's desire is that you're in eternity with me. So if I'm not here telling you, do this, do that, do this, just make the right choices. And then we can be together forever. So, yep, it's very true. And, and even what comes to our day-to-day problems, just kind of stopping and saying, Hey, you, you don't know what to do. Did you pray about it? And especially, especially teenagers, holy cow, everything that they deal with every single day did, you know, just the bigger decisions. Hey, did you pray about this? And then then hope that it just cycles down into every single thing that they're doing. Hey, did you pray about this? Yeah. And a lot of times, Hey, I can give you guidance, but there might be bigger guidance for you. Yeah. MJ, I think that this is going to help a lot of people. Do you have anything else that I missed or that you really want to make sure that people understand, especially those who are going through this? What would you say to the, to the mom right now who is just stuck in a, a a time of grief and is, doesn't have the children at home to get her out of bed? Your children got you out of bed in the morning. What would you say to that mom who lost a child six months ago or three years ago or 10 years ago? And today she can't get out of bed. Excluding all of the faith related items that we've talked about, you have to find something that gives you joy. You have to find something that's not grief. It's so hard to find joy in this grief. So you have to step out of it a little bit. And probably like like a lot of problems that we're trying to solve, sometimes you need to step away from it, clear your mind of it, do something, just stop thinking about it and then come back and, and deal with whatever you need to deal with later. The same for grief. Just, you just have to step out of it. You can't stay in that grief. You have to find small little tidbits of sunshine someplace. And, and, and the more you do that, the, the more you're going to live in that sunshine and not the grief. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I, I just don't know if there's any other way to, to solve it. Honestly, you, you can't, yeah. you can't stay in the grief. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's going to help somebody today. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And, um, our prayers are with you as you navigate this every day and uh, through the years. And man, you are a living, walking testimony to other people that there is more. And uh, what a beautiful thing that you are giving this situation to God to use however he will in whatever ways. Thank you. And if uh, anything I said helps just one little person out there, I, I think that this is a huge success. So thank you for sending it to people. Thank you for making it available for people to listen and learn and, and, and understand a little bit more about themselves. I'd like to thank MJ Trotter for her willingness to be with us today. Her genuine spirit and her vulnerability uh, are just really refreshing and help us to muddle through what is a serious, heartbreaking and sensitive topic. Before we leave, I'd like to direct you to Grace Talks. Pastor Caleb has done an excellent series on grief. You can find links to those episodes in our program notes for this episode. And if you think maybe it's time to get help, maybe you'd like to talk to someone or receive some counseling, can I suggest Christian Family Solutions? 
You can find out all about their organization at christianfamilysolutions.org. Next week, come back and you'll hear an interview I did with Debbie Enter. Her story is incredibly heartbreaking, but I think you'll find hope in the heartbreak and you'll find someone who has been able to find strength and solace in God and all he's able to do even amidst such great loss. Take care and see you next week.